So you guys, we are slowly making our way through Romans chapter 12. And I knew a long time back, whenever you're trying to like parse out, like what's this book going to look like? That's kind of something that I was taught in school that I do. And here's the thing. Romans chapter 12 is so jam-packed full of good information, good stuff, good just practical stuff. And we've gone through all of the other stuff through the first 11 chapters, all of the doctrine, all the stuff that Paul's trying to lay out. Like, look, you need to understand these doctrinal truths. You need to have a concept and a clue of like what it means, what God intended, who God is, all these big questions, right? That we've looked at over this time, but now we jump in from 12 to 16 through the rest of this book. He's saying, well, what does it all mean? Because you can have all of the doctrine in the world. And guess what? If you continue to live like hell, nobody cares. And most of all, you will not see fruit in your life. If you want to see fruit, you got to act it out. You got to actually live it out. And we, like we talked about a couple weeks ago when we first started, we've examined Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? That It's our logical worship to be a living sacrifice for God. That's our logical worship. That's what reasonable service means in the Greek. Logikos, logic. Worship, what does that mean? What what was worship in the Old Testament? Laying some animal after you've slit its throat on the fire to be burned up. What's he saying? He's saying it's your logical worship to be what? A living sacrifice. He's not asking you to martyr yourself. He's asking you to kill your flesh and live for him, which is actually harder to me. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? I think that's a little bit more difficult than it would be to just say like, man, okay, God, I'm gonna go to some you know, Arab country or something like that and, and try to find ISIS and so that they can behead me and then it's over and man, God, I did you a favor. Everything's good. To me, that would be easier. Just being real. It's harder every day to wake up and be like, my back hurts. God, I don't really want to do this. Ah, That's harder to just be a living sacrifice in those moments and say, God, what do you have for me today? What areas of discomfort are you going to put me in? How do we do all that, though? Remember, verse 2, he tells us, he says, of being transformed by the renewing of your minds instead of being conformed to the world around us. That's what we talked about right from the beginning. And if you remember, in the very, very beginning of this chapter, we talked about this. And I'm going to read verse 1 in chapter 12. It says, I beseech you, or I beg you, basically, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you do these things. We can only do these by God's mercy. We kind of take that part out. So often we're like, I've got to do better. I've got to read my Bible more. I've got to focus more and be more intentional about my time of prayer. Oh, God, help me but we don't really want his help because we're going to be like, I'm going to muscle through. I'm going to lift some more weights spiritually. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to wake up at four in the morning. Good luck with that. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, right? That's how we treat our spiritual life. And God doesn't want us to do it that way. He says, by my mercy, you're going to do these things. You're going to lean into me and rest in me. And you're going to say, man, God, I literally am incapable of this. Please help me. And then you step out and do those things. And when you do it that way, you'll find that his burden is actually easy and his yoke is actually light. When I find myself getting bogged down and burdened and feeling really, really under the pile, do you know what I have to do is go back to God and be like, okay, Lord, somewhere along the way, I got this twisted again. Somewhere along the way, and by the way, that usually is at least once or twice a week, (laughs) that I've got to go back to God and be like, okay, God, I, I got this twisted again. I'm trying to do this in my own power. I'm finding I don't have patience. Why? Because I'm trying really hard to be patient. Instead of saying, God, give me patience, please, I need you. There's a difference. 
And then Steve talked us through this idea of serving God from verse three to verse eight, serving God with our spiritual gifts. He did an awesome job talking about how we were all given this variety of gifts, but they're, they're, they're worthless gifts if we're not using them. They're meant to be used. And what better place to use them than in the protection of the loving community of the church? There's something amazing and intimate about that, that God actually wants you to do it. But listen, like we've talked about before, whenever I lived in Boise, Idaho, you guys, Boise States has this, like, when they won, when they beat Oklahoma, y'all remember that game? No? Well, everyone in Boise does, I promise you. (laughs) They beat Oklahoma at the Tostitos uh, Fiesta Bowl, right? It's big, big money when you win a bowl. And they were super underdog. And here's this tiny little school with tiny little somethings, and they win a Fiesta Bowl. Guess what they did with all that money? They built one of the very best practice fields in all of college football. That practice field can be turned clear down to negative 30 and clear up to 120. Why? Because they play in Hawaii and they play in North Dakota. (laughs) And so they literally set their practice field in such a way that they can play for the condition they're in. Guys, that's what church is to us. This is your practice field. Except we're temperate. We try to keep it around 68 to 70. (laughs) But the idea is is that there's protection here, just like there is on the practice field for a football team, right? They're not going to hammer each other to death because they actually want the running back to be in the game. And so they're not going to beat him to death. No, they're going to love on him. But guess what the world does? The world does what every other opposing football team wants to do, crush you and kill you, right? And so the fact is, you guys, we have a chance to practice here what God has for us, to use the gifts that God has given us in the church and outside the church. For what reason? For the glory and building up of his kingdom. That's the whole point of it all. So today we're going to be continuing to dig into this packed chapter, and we're doing communion today. So for those of you that are watching online, I would encourage you to go get your elements ready, whatever those are. But the truth is, today we're going to do communion, and as you guys know, we're doing communion differently each and every time, and it's just to try and give us a fresh perspective, something to kind of chew on a little bit differently in the way we do communion, Um, and so we're going to be doing that a little different, so I'm going to try and give us some time at the end. So we're going to get through as much as we can today, but this chapter today is, is Paul speaking about how to be a Christian, right? Some of you guys may have these little... um what are they called, subtitles or whatever, above like certain sections of scripture in your Bible. I don't know if you do, but in, our, in mine, it says, behave like a Christian. That's pretty much what it is. He's speaking about this ideal Christian life. What does it supposed to look like? And this is mainly written in ways that we are supposed to act, I need you to hear this, to fellow Christians. That's really the thrust of where Paul's aiming at here, and we can't lose the, that context, but can I just say this to you? Even though it's mainly written as the way we're supposed to act towards those in the body of Christ, much of this, you guys, very, very, a good bit of this translates into how we're supposed to act for everyone in the world, for every other human being. And so we'll talk about those times when it's breaking that mold of, of, of aiming at the whole world and, and those times when we're just looking inside at the church. But most of this, we can apply to our entire lives. And so let's start off, you guys. We're going to be plugging through these a verse at a time. So here we go. Verse 9 of chapter 12 in Romans says this. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor or hate what is evil and cling to what is good. So Paul starts us off, and this is this whole section of scripture. Paul is giving us 
commands. I need you to hear this. These are not suggestions. These are not just like, well, you know, I mean, if you wake up and everything feels good and your coffee's perfect that morning, then go ahead and do this. No, these are commands. He's giving us these imperative commands. If you read it in the Greek, it's imperative. He's saying, this is what you do. This is how you do this. Now, we need to understand some things. Merriam-Webster tells us that hypocrisy is defined as this, a feigning to be what one is not being fake. To believe what one does not and behavior that contradicts what one claims to believe or feel. That's the definition of hypocrisy. And so I want you to realize this. Do you realize that love with hypocrisy is really not love at all? How can it be? Based on that definition, if everything you're saying and thinking is fake and then you tell someone you love them, how is that love? It's not, right? If you actually don't believe that you love them, and in fact, you hate them, and then you're like, I love you. I love you, brother. Then how is that love? It's not love. It can't be love if it's with hypocrisy. It can only be the opposite of love. I want you to hear this. We do have this a lot in the church. Do you understand that? Do you believe me? You know where you really hear it in the church? At least where I heard it in the church? I heard this in Houston, Texas. When you go down south, you're going to love this. We got some folks from down south here, right? You'll hear this. Bless your little soul. You guys ever hear that? Bless your soul. Oh, bless your heart. Just bless your little soul. That's what I heard. What does that really mean? Well, it sounds so nice, doesn't it? You're like, thank you. What does it mean? It means, oh, you idiot. (laughs) You stupid little dummy that doesn't know any better. Do you know why someone told me, bless your little soul? Because I came to their church in jeans. And that's what they said, oh, bless your soul. I'm like, well, thanks. (laughs) And then the guy that brought me was like, that wasn't a compliment. (laughs) I'm like, oh. It happens in the church. You know what would have been better? Why'd you wear jeans? To which I would have replied, because it's all I have, jerk face. What's your problem? (laughs) Right? But isn't that a lot cleaner communication? (laughs) At least we know where we stand. (laughs) You know another way we see this play out? I love you, sister. I, I so love you, lady. And then you walk away from that person and go immediately to the next person and start, stop, start talking smack about them. Right? I'm stepping on toes. What about this? Love you, brother. And then as soon as that brother leaves, you're like, listen, man, we need to pray for him because he is a hot mess. <laughs> you guys, we have it in our church. I'm not, listen, I haven't heard a lot here at the church, but I'm saying like we're human. So guess what? Statistically, we have it here too. <laughs> right? We're not rampant with it. I've been to churches where it's rampant, where everybody pretty much hates each other, but then they're like, hi! You're like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. It's horrible. And those churches are dying. Why? Because the Holy Spirit left long ago. They're just country clubbing it up, I guess. You guys, I'm thankful that we don't hear that in a lot of our church, but listen, can I just encourage you? If that's not where you are, man, don't get too haughty because you're all one breath away from being there. I'm one breath away from being there. Love without hypocrisy. What else does it say? How do we do that, you guys? 
The second half of this verse speaks to how we love without hypocrisy. We hate, we abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Turning your Bibles with me to Psalms 34, Psalm 34. While you're flipping over there, you guys, to Psalm 34, verse 12, I'm going to read you another verse just for the sake of time. So listen to me or look up on the screen while you flip over to Psalm 34, verse 12. This verse I'm going to show you up here is Proverbs 8, 13. And this says this, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance are the evil way. And the perverse mouth I hate. So what does it look like to truly love without hypocrisy? Stop talking smack. That's one way. Don't be so prideful to think that you've got it all figured out there, friend, because you don't, right? Start realizing and stop, start remembering that, man, you started somewhere too with Jesus and God has grown you up and you can thank God for that because you didn't do much to do there. God, God grew you up. God changed you. God took these things away from you. And so someone that you know comes around and they're that person that you see in them the things that you used to do, you don't get the privilege of saying like, man, there's just a hot mess and talking about them. No, instead you pray for them and love them, right? That's one of the ways. Let's look at Psalm 34 verse 12. It says this, who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. You guys, this psalm, this these Proverbs, this stuff is just talking about this idea that, man, God desires us to walk in what is good, to desire to look for what is good. All of these things are vitally important to us, and yet our bend as humans is to do what? Go find the evil thing. In each other, in situations, in music, in movies, in everything that we consume. I mean, maybe I'm alone here. Maybe I'm the only one. Listen, I love that stuff. I'm like, I find myself drawn to that stuff way more than I find myself now. That's changed over the years. I don't want you guys to be like, our pastor's a freak. Yes, I am. But not, not like I used to be, so you guys can count yourselves lucky. <laughs> but the fact is, you guys, man, I love horror films. Why? Because I grew up on them. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Our Halloween tradition from age 12 on was to watch The Exorcist. I don't do that anymore because it's wrong. It's evil. It's just not right. But guess what? I'm still drawn to something that makes my wife go, ah, and jump. We were watching a show just the other day, and there was the thing, and she jumped. That cracks me up. I love it. <laughs> Is it evil? Eh. You get my point? I've got to really watch myself with that stuff, because that's where I'm drawn, man. That's the stuff that I'm drawn towards. But the reality is, you guys, do you see this correlation here between actions and words? We are to abhor, we're to hate what is evil and to love what is good. And, and there's an action and words correlation here. The way we act and what we speak are the ways that the outward world sees what we're doing, right? 
I don't know of any other ways that we can really engage the world around us for them to see what's going on. They can't see your brain. They don't know what you're thinking. And so the actions and words are the ways that we show others around us what it looks like to love without hypocrisy. Luke 6.45 tells us this, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So the way we speak about one another, the way we speak to one another, the way we speak when we are, you know, even just talking to God, to be honest, it's all about the heart. And if there's a place to be safe, it's with God the most because he's the one that's actually wanting to hear it all, even your vitriol. Even the stuff that you're like, God, I can't stand this person, and I don't know why you put them in my life. (sighs) Those prayers to God are good prayers. I need you to hear that. God is not up there being like, I want you to be just totally like, oh, holy father. I doth bless thee and thank thee for every, every human being you've put in my path. No, he doesn't want that because that's fake and it's hypocritical. God, man, if there's some one person that knows when we're being hypocritical, If there's one person in the world and the entire universe that knows when you're being a hypocrite, it's God. Because he's the only one that can read your mail. He knows your brain. He knows what you're thinking. He already knows the way you're going to act. He knows every part of you. And so I promise you, if you want to be not a hypocrite, he's the one to do it with the most. But he actually desires that we just don't do it at all. You guys, our hearts should be focused on what is good. And that means our hearts should be looking at how God is moving in everything and everyone. Do you understand that? So even that person that you're struggling to love, can I just encourage you? How do you love without hypocrisy? You strive to find the good in how God is changing their life. I'm thankful people did that with me. I'm thankful I had my youth pastor, who I've told you guys this story a million times, that instead of just hating me and telling me I wasn't welcome back, called me aside and said, okay, we gotta stop dropping the F-bomb in the middle of youth group. It's not cool. Like, it's really not good. And I said back to him, why is it not good? Who cares? It's just a word. And then he took me to scripture and was like, because it's not building anyone up. There's no edification here happening. There's nothing good. It's crass language. It's not good. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I worked on it. But I'm thankful that he didn't have hypocrisy with me, that he wasn't like, oh, (laughs) you're not invited back. Bye. That's what happened with the church I went to with jeans on. The oh, bless your little soul. As I walked out there, like, hey, come back with some slacks. I didn't have slacks. I was deployed with the military. I had three military uniforms and two pair of jeans and two pair of shorts. I tried to show respect, so I wore a pair of jeans. If it was a Calvary Chapel, I would have rocked some shorts and a T-shirt. <laughs> but it wasn't. So I was trying to show respect, but that wasn't enough for them. And I think that's sad because I missed out on the opportunity to be part of a body of Christ and, and be fed. You guys, we strive to look for the good and how God's changing their lives. We speak to them and about them in an encouraging way and an ingracious way. To them and about them. That second part. (laughs) Don't be like, man, I'm just so encouraged on how God's growing you. And then they leave and you're like, that guy. No, guys. Look to everyone else that you're standing around and be like, man, isn't God good? Look at how God's growing him up. It's awesome. Bless your soul. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Can I just say this too? Sometimes loving them well means shutting your mouth. Not everything in every human being needs to be fixed in every conversation. 
there's a lot of people that come up to me and they'll say stuff that in my heart, I'm like, <laughs> that's not right. And sometimes if the Lord, if I really strongly feel like the Lord's saying, you need to talk about that, then I'll try to talk about it with them. But more often than not, it's like, this isn't it. We're not, we're, it's, that's not the time yet. Let it be. I think often we're, we're trying to, as, as Christians especially, trying to make every other Christian look just like us. There's a song by this guy named Steve Taylor that's, I want to be a clone. Did you guys ever hear that song? I want to be a clone because cloneliness is next to godliness, right? In other words, and then it says, I'm grateful for they showed the way because I could never know the way to serve him on my own. I want to be a clone. That is not what I want in our church, you guys. I want all of us individually to be who God's called us to be. And that means that it's going to be messy and look a little different for each of us. And we've got to show grace and mercy to one another in the process. And at the same time, we also got to love each other well enough to be like, dude, what is going on in your life? What's happening with you? How are you doing, lady? What's happening? Tell us. What's going on? Let's be real with one another. There's a balance there, and it's beautiful and messy and, and awesome. That's what I want for us as a church. There are churches, you guys, look, we go down to this pastor's conference, and I'm not going to name names, but there is a church that the pastor, he has this little Bible on his side, and literally every other guy behind him has the same Bible on his side, and he's, they're all like little mini-me's, and you're like, wow, that's weird. Y'all start dressing like me and acting like me? Oh, good Lord. Please don't. Be you. Especially ladies, if you're like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, for real, stop it. You guys, God isn't trying to fix everything all at the same time with us, is he? No, he works on one thing at a time. He works us through things. Why would we expect to do that with everybody else? Finally, I want to point out how often we lose sight in our own lives. We forget where we came from. How do we love without hypocrisy? Remember who you are. You're not going to be much of a, you're not going to give yourself room to be a hypocrite if you really start thinking back to be like, oh, goodness, Lord, thank you for all the things you took me through. Lord, I was a hot mess whenever I got saved. And guess what, God? I'm still a pretty hot mess. I'm just a little bit further down the line. So yeah, there's a few little pieces of garbage that have fallen off, but there's still a lot of garbage here. There's still a lot of things that I'm working through. You guys, we're a hot mess. And if you struggle in this area of, of thinking that you're more than you are, can I just, you know, kill your arrogance real, real quick? Get over yourself. You're still a work in progress like the rest of us. Amen. If you ever see that in me, please tell me to get over myself. I hope you don't. I am thankful that God is the one that sees me as justified already, that he looks at the blood of Christ on my life and says, you, you, I love you. It's how he looks at you. If you're here tonight, today and you're a believer, you guys, that's how he sees us. However, we're still in the muck and the mire of this world, and we're still walking it out. And so guess what? You're still a hot mess. That's the other word. Justification is how God sees us. Sanctification is the work that God's working us through. So don't start looking around at people that are a little bit further back or maybe just fell in the mud puddle that you just walked up out of, of alcoholism or drug use or pornography or whatever that is or gossip or all these other things. Don't look at them and be like, oh my gosh, are you for real? No, can I encourage you, if anything, don't jump down into it with them again either. <laughs> but how about bend a knee and say, man, I love you, come on. I love you, get up out of there. Let's talk about, it. can I pray with you? Can we talk about this? And man, we all don't do a very good job of that. 
Listen, I'm reminded all the time of how much I fail at loving you guys well. And I am sorry for that. I wish that my brain was one of those brains. I have a pastor. I was in a church of 4,000 people, and I had a pastor that met me one time and knew my name from then on. 4,000 people. You guys, there's a little over 200 of us, and I'm sorry to say, man, I forget your guys' names a lot. It takes a long time for me to get people's names in their head. And guess what? It's not just names. It's remembering that, man, you guys are going through stuff. And remembering to pray, I pray all the time, and I'm always asking God, like, would you put those things in my mind that I need to be in prayer about for you? Because I forget. ADHD stinks, man. It really does. But again, if I remember that's where I am, it doesn't make me look at you and think like, oh, man. No, it makes me think quite the opposite. I'm a hot mess, so you need to pray for me, please. You're a hot mess, and I'm trying my best to remember to pray for all y'all. I do, collectively. And as the Lord puts things on my mind that I'm reminded of, I pray. But the reality is, is that I wish I knew more. You guys, we're all works in progress. Let's not forget it. Verse 10. It says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. So Paul drops yet another command. Be kindly affectionate to one another. This means be nice. Don't be a jerk face. That's what it means. Who's he talking to? Specifically, he's saying be nice and don't be a jerk to fellow believers. But can I say, this is one of those verses that applies to overall arching to humanity. Don't be a jerk to other people. If you're like, I'm a Christian, and then you're a total jerk to everyone that you're interacting with, and I've seen it. I've been on pastor's things where they're berating the, the you know, waitress because the waitress forgot their coffee. And I'm like, ha, <laughs> I'm like, hey, buddy, how about you get up and serve the coffee and see how quick you are to forget things, hmm? Right? Man, we don't get the right to be that way. No, that's what Paul's saying. He's like, here's your command. Be nice. Be nice. The interesting thing here is that Paul lays out what it looks like to have brotherly love, phileo love toward one another in the church. What does brotherly love look like, you guys? How many people here have brothers? Can I just encourage you, ladies? I don't know what it's like to have a sister and a brother love, but I can tell you what a brother and a brother loves looks like. That's what I can speak to. And maybe it's the same. I don't know. You can tell me later. But I have a little brother, and here's the things I know about my brother. I was thinking this through. What does it look like to have brotherly love? I know this. He'll have my side in a heartbeat if I'm in the middle of a fight. He did. Usually when we got suspended for fist fighting, it's because we both were in the same fight. Right? I'm not saying that's fair. I'm just saying that's brothers. Right? If somebody started punching my brother, oh, I was punching him back. And then my brother would join in too. That's just the truth of brotherly love. You fight for one another. You're down. What else does it look like? It looks like never hesitating to tell the truth. My brother will not ever hesitate to tell me the truth, even when it really hurts. <laughs> I have these jeans on, and, and you got to understand, my brother's still stuck in the 90s, so he has like the huge jeans. You guys remember the big Jenko jeans? Because he's like too cheap to go buy new jeans. <laughs> and he worked construction, so he's like, they're just, you know, whatever. Like, he just doesn't care. So he was like, what are you trying to be, man? Are you trying to be in, in style? Like, what's that about? You look like a freak. What's your problem? And I was like, dude, they're jeans. You haven't bought any in a long time. This is all you can find. 
That's just, I'm just talking about my genes, but that's how he is with everything. He tells me the truth, whether I want to hear it or not. He tells me when it hurts, even. And here's the other thing. We can fight and argue with each other till we're blue in the face, but the second stop, someone steps in between that, oh, good luck to them. And anybody that has a brother understands that, right? Those are things that are true of brothers. I want to apply that to brotherly love. Christians, do you understand that we're in a battle every day spiritually? What does it look like to have brotherly love? I mean, here's the reality. Thankfully, most days, some days, the skirmishes are light and they're manageable, right? You're just kind of like annoyed. You're annoyed by things. Every Easter, you guys, we always lose power or the sound completely dies. There's always something. This year for Good Friday, the power died at noon. I was in a meeting back there in the cry room and I'm meeting and the power went out. I'm like, well, I was wondering how long that was going to take. And they were like, what? I'm like, every year it goes out. It's a guarantee it's going to go out. So it was out. But then this year, the Lord did something, allowed something, right? The enemy's just like, oh, that's not good enough. You're not getting phased by that anymore? Hmm? <laughs> and so then all of a sudden the fire alarms start going off. Scared the heck out of Maya and I. We were here, so we had to go outside. We were the only ones here because there was no power, so everyone else had left, right? We're getting ready for the service that night. The fire department shows up, and there's water pouring out from the other room on the other side of the, of the building. There's just water pouring out everywhere. And so guess what? The city comes in, and they're like, you're not going to be able to do services, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I'm like, yeah, at that point, it was a fight. And so I'm putting my best smile on, and I'm like, okay. And so then the, the building manager, right, the guy that handles all the building stuff, he comes in, and he's like, man, we'll get this fixed on Monday. I'm like, dude, it's Easter weekend. Do you understand that? I'm like, you're killing me, man. And he's like, oh. And I'm like, look, we're already missing Good Friday because we're not allowed in here because there was no sprinklers. And by the way, that, that night, we had planned to have a bunch of candles burning. <laughs> I'm all about cheating the system, but this one, I'm like, ah, let's not tempt fate on that one. <laughs> That's why we canceled Good Friday, right? So the enemy won a small little skirmish on that one. That's okay, though, because we got some big plans for next year. But the reality is, you guys, is that we're always in a battle for these things. And I sent the thing out over Facebook, like, man, the enemy's trying to win a victory here. And everybody, you know, that was there, they were praying and they were liking it and all that. And, I, you know, it's just one of those things to me that I'm like, that's, that's what it looks like to be loving like a brother. And you know what's cool? As people prayed and as we prayed and I didn't lose my cool because I really wanted to, I wanted to wring their little neck and be like, do you know how much we pay every month here? Like, for real? You better get your behinds out here and get this fixed. That's what I wanted to say. However, I said, dude, it's Easter weekend. Are you kidding me? That's all I had to say. And so guess what? The owner of the building was super gracious. And I don't know how much money it cost them, but they paid someone to come out and fix this problem so that Sunday we were here. Yeah. Praise God. Praise what does it look like, you guys? When those attacks are overwhelming, you know what it looks like to love like a brother? Fight. Fight. You don't need to even be in 100% agreement. You might look at this person and be like, do you know why you're in this battle? Because you put yourself there. Who cares? Listen, my brother got himself into too many fights. Me too. We both have really big mouths and we like to talk. But do you know what didn't happen until after the fight? Talking about who was actually at fault. Because there were times I'd say to my brother, like, bro, you got my braces, my, my lips stuck to my braces again. For real, would you shut your mouth? And there were times he did that to me. But guess what we didn't do? We didn't stand back and be like, oh, I guess you're getting your butt beat. No, we jumped in. You fight. How do you fight as a Christian? You pray. Yeah. 
There's a Petra song. You guys know the band Petra, for those of you that are old enough to remember? There's a song that, that, man, I'm telling you, Petra, woo! Get on your knees and fight like a man. I love that song. Get on your knees and fight like a man. Pray. Seek the Lord. Doing battle with them is praying and also listening. Letting them talk it out. Letting them work through the junk that they've got going on. Not giving them an answer on everything. Praying with them through things. You guys, that's what it, that's what it looks like to be in community with one another, doesn't it? We also need this. We need to hear uh, truth from church family. This is one of those parts that I would say, where are you going to hear the truth from? Probably most of all from the church. And church, if we're not doing a good job of that and people are hearing more truth on the world outside than they are in here, then we're failing miserably. Because this is where we should hear truth. This is where we should hear the truth of like, dude, How's that working out for you? If you keep putting your head against this same brick wall, do you realize your head's going to get bloody and the brick wall's not going to move? Dude, do you understand that if we continue to walk this way and keep doing this stuff, that things aren't going to get better? They're going to get worse. That's the stuff that we need to be willing to share with one another and not just be like, I'll pray with you, brother. I'll pray with you, sister. No, listen. What's speaking the truth? Look like what's loving like a sibling? It means calling out your crap. It means not letting pretense and fakeness and arrogance and pride continue. Why? Because you love that person enough to not let them continue in their delusion. That's what a good brother does. And we can shift that language to sisters too. But again, I'm speaking about what I know. I know what brothers look like because I got one. So the truth is, you guys, that's what we're called to do. And the last point I want to make is this. When we live this way, we will find ourselves in a mess sometimes. Do you understand that? Why? Because we're a hot mess. Remember? What, am I mean, what do I mean by that? The truth is this. If you're dealing with others and you're speaking truth to them and you're loving them well as best as you can and you're fighting with them and praying through with them, sometimes you're going to say the wrong thing and you might even make it a little worse in the moment. Sometimes you might think that this is the right way to say something and you find out, man, it just wasn't. But can I just encourage us again? I don't want clones. I want people that are trying their best to seek God together. And in those moments when we screw it up with one another, because the fact is, you guys, do you know what the best way to not ever make anyone offended or do anything wrong is to do nothing? But do you know what happens when that happens? Nothing. That can be offensive. You're right. We've got to be willing to step out of our own comfort zones. We've got to be willing sometimes to put our foot in our mouths. We've got to be willing to learn what it looks like to actually seek the Holy Spirit in things and say, Lord, give me words because I don't have any. I was just speaking to some folks uh, yesterday about stuff that really is way out of my league, right? I don't understand completely all the cultural ramifications and things, and I don't understand completely all of the stuff that's involved in the conversation I was in with them. And so what did I do? Man, I was praying hard, oh God, help me to help them biblically and leave it there because I cannot begin to comprehend or understand all of the other stuff, the baggage, did I do a good job of that? I have no idea. I hope I did. But what if I didn't? What if I had offended them? Do you realize that as a church, you guys, we get to love each other well enough to be like, man, that is really not helping me. 
To which the person that's not helping can reply, I'm so sorry. Let me just shut up and listen to you. Can we just pray about this now? It's an opportunity to grow one with another, to learn, to be sharpened up. These are the points of being in a church body, you guys. The truth is we deal with things in a loving, godly way. We practice Matthew 18. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about with Matthew 18, well, here's my encouragement. Go read Matthew chapter 18 and you'll find out what I mean. That's how we should handle one another. We don't seek to let other people pile on. Maybe God's working in you and maybe you figured it out, but then someone else comes up and they're like, boy, that guy over there, oh, he's a hot mash. You don't get to be like, mm, yeah, you're right. No, you know what you get to do is be like, no, you know what though? God's really working in his life and let's, let's focus there. Let's keep the focus there. And you know what? If you think he's a hot mess, are you praying for him? Are you seeking the Lord for him? Because you're right and so are you and so am I. Verse 11. We got five minutes, man. I got to finish this. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You guys, next on this list is a call to be diligent. Paul is saying this, laziness in the church is not supposed to be the way we are. We are told over and over again that we are not supposed to or forsake the fellowshipping of the saints. We're told in all these different ways that we're supposed to be in community, that we're supposed to be a part of things. Can I talk about one of the biggest ways that people are lazy in the church today? And I am not speaking about people that cannot physically make it to church because we have those too. We have people that are faithful online because they're physically not able to make it here. That's not who I'm talking about, right? And, and, and all of us, man, if you guys are sick, please watch from home. Do not come in here and make us all sick. So there's times for that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about those times when you know in your heart that you should be in the congregation to be known, but the truth is your bed is calling your name stronger and louder on Sunday morning than on any other day of the week. You guys know what I'm talking about? Listen, I'm the pastor of this church, and my bed calls me louder on Sunday than every other day, too. This morning, I was like, Alexa, set the alarm for 530. This morning, I woke up, Lord, oh, I mean, Lord, Alexa, <laughs> Alexa, like I told you, in the morning, I'm a hot mess. Alexa, set the alarm for 545. <laughs> Alexa, set the alarm for 6. 6 o'clock, I was like... Get your weary butt out of bed, do it. Why? Because my stupid dog would not stop last night. I got no sleep. So there's times when Sunday mornings, I'm the pastor. I have to be here, you guys. But it calls my name too. But guess what? You bring your body into submission, not the other way around. So what's it mean not to be lazy? It means get your butt here. Be a part of the community. You know another thing I'm going to say? And this is not a cut on anybody. I need you to hear this. But many people choose not to serve in our church. Why? Because it requires more effort than coming and sitting your butt down in a seat and being served. It's just the truth. And I've heard people say, <laughs> and they don't like my response. I've heard people say like, man, I don't serve here because, you know, I, then I'm going to miss out on the message. And I'm like, yeah, I totally get that. Here's the awesome part of being a church with two services. You can serve in one and then come to the other. Amen. And you're like, yeah, but that's the whole day. I'm like, I know, it's my every Sunday. <laughs> How do we serve, though? 
We're not supposed to be lazy, but how are we supposed to do this? How are we supposed to walk this walk out with the Lord? How are we supposed to love people well and do all these things with fervency? Fervent, you guys, means this, displaying a passionate intensity. Now, I need you to hear this. We live in New England. I'm aware of that. So I'm not expecting everyone to have my energy level all the time. <laughs> Listen, ADHD, the one advantage to ADHD is that you're like, ah, ha, 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 pretty much constantly in your brain. And then as you get a little bit older, you learn how to refrain from doing that constantly. Constantly, I say. <laughs> I still do. Right? But the fact is, is I'm not expect. that's not what he's talking about here. What he's saying is that Paul's speaking about the, a matter of the heart. There should be a passionate intensity in your heart. Can I tell you some things? I know this. I know that some of the most outwardly reserved people that I know are some of the most passionately intense about God. So it is not about the way you act. I need you to hear this. It's about your heart condition. If you guys ever knew, a lot of you guys maybe knew there was a guy here for a long, long time. He's back in Vegas now, Jeremy Agassi, who was one of our assistant pastors here at the church. That guy, dude, was like this. He'd be like, mm, yeah, mm-hmm. When he taught, he was like, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, right? That's just the way he was. And then he'd be like, you know what that means? But can I tell you something? That guy had a passionate intensity and does have a passionate intensity for the Lord and for others. He loves well. He does it amazingly. And I'm like, there's parts of him that I'm like, oh my gosh, I want more of that. I'm not talking about the way you act. Do you understand? Listen, I got to tell you some things. I have a passionate intensity for the Philadelphia Eagles. Listen, our draft season is amazing so far. I'm so stoked. I know. Bless your heart. Listen. <laughs> It'll be bless y'all's heart when we go to the Super Bowl again. Hopefully we win this time. <laughs> I should shut up. Lord, forgive me. Just get us. I'm not going to get cocky. Woo! You know what else? I have a passionate intensity for my wife. I love her dearly. I love her passionately. And again, I'm not talking about actions. I'm talking about something deep inside of me. If somebody in this church were to hurt my wife, I promise you, you would die. Because <laughs> I love her that way. You wouldn't literally die. You would get a very stern talking to. <laughs> but you guys, there's a lot of people that just treat their walk with the Lord with like, meh. They go to work during the week and they're like, yeah, I'm just going to act like the world and, and kind of not follow what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says to do. I'm going to be conformed to the world because, you know, it's easier. That's not passionate intensity. I'm passionately intense about the Philadelphia Eagles. And so, you know what? You will never hear me say any time ever in the whole world, man, those Patriots, though. No, why? Because I'm like, no, I want the Patriots to lose, please. Because I want them to not make the playoffs because they're a phenomenal team, or they used to be when they have Brady now. <laughs> they're a hot mess, and I love it. <laughs> Do you get my point, you guys? I've been a, a Philadelphia Eagles fan through the low points and through the high points. Why do I keep bringing this up? Because that's the way I want to be with my Lord, I, I, and even more so, right? Because that's a stupid football team. Who cares? Who cares? 
I want to be that way with God that it doesn't matter who I'm around, it's about Jesus. I want to be in such a way that I'm not pounding them in the face, but no, instead I'm letting them know by, honestly, the way I am speaking and what I'm wearing even. You guys know me, man. Like I would wear a bunch of things with a bunch of stuff all over my shirt, but I don't believe that's a good idea when you're teaching because then everyone's like, what's that say? I didn't hear a word that guy said, but what does that mean? That's why I don't wear that stuff. But whenever I'm not that way, man, I'm always advertising that I know Jesus. And I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm saying I want everyone to know about Jesus. That's the point. And that's how I live my life. And I'm passionately intense about that. I'm stubbornly intense about that. You're not going to tell me that I'm wrong because if you think I'm wrong, that's good for you. But I know this. At the end of days, I hope that you eventually understand that I am right. And it's not about me being a right. It's about you and me hanging out in heaven forever together. That's what it's about. Be fervent about something, you guys. Most of us are, right? Most of us have something that we're passionate about, that we're fervently passionate about. What matters most in your heart? That's the thing, man. I'm passionate. I'm fervent, you guys, about teaching God's word. I love doing this. It's hard for me not to do it. I love to do this. This is a passion that God's put in me. I'm passionate about wanting to see our church and the lives in our church growing closer to him day by day. Do I do a great job of that? No, I suck at that. I need a lot of prayer and help to like do better at trying to bring everybody along. But the reality is, is at the end of the day, it's not my job. It's your job to be in your walk with the Lord. It's my job to do my best to do the same thing and to hopefully lead by example. And yes, lead us. That's the point of being a pastor. But the, but the real point of it is, you guys, is to see and encourage and be there and be the biggest cheerleader towards when people are doing things for the Lord to be like, yes, I'm with you. Let's do this. And when people are hurting to come alongside and say, I love you. And again, I don't do that the greatest and I apologize. I wish I could do better at that. Here's the truth. Where are you with this? I can't answer it for you. It's you and God that have to have an honest conversation. And can I tell you this? If he tells you that you're lacking in some area, in these things, are you going to listen to him? Because that's really what it comes down to. What are you going to do with the information God gives you? Because you can listen to him and actually change and, and seek him and say, Lord, I need you. And man, God, I'm passionate about all these things in my life, but I'm really not that passionate about you and I need you to change that in me. You can do that or you can just continue in your lack. That's your choice. And we are running late. I'm gonna stop there because I really think that, uh, that um, the time for... Um, Communion, man, my words <laughs> are important. So we're going to stop at verse 11, you guys. And so, um, yeah, let's pray. And then we will have, I'm going to have my brother Dan come up and talk to us about how communion is going to look, you guys. And just, just, can I just encourage us all as we do communion this time? This is very, very different. Some of you guys, it might be kind of uncomfortable. Can I just encourage us all to dive into this? One thing, it's not as heretical. So just calm yourself if that's what you're thinking. We're still going to take the elements like we normally do. We're just going to do it in a more intimate way. And so let me pray, and then Dan will come up and talk about it. Lord, I thank you for this time that we've had. And God, man, 
thank you, Father, that there is so much in these verses to chew on that we, um, Lord, you've got, you've said things here today. Lord, I'm asking for each one of us, God, that Holy Spirit, that you would do the work of chastening where there's chastening needed, God, encouraging where there's encouragement needed, God, exhorting where that's needed. Father, you have to do that work, Lord. There's no amount of eloquent speech of which I don't have or no amount of anything that I'm going to bring to the table, Lord God, that is going to change hearts. Lord, only you can do that. But God, I also know your word makes it clear, Lord, that we are to abide in you, Lord, that there's an element of us as believers, Lord, hearing these things, receiving these nutrients from your word, Lord, and then choosing what we're going to do with them. So God, I pray, Father, if we as a church would process the things we've heard, Lord, what does it mean to love like a brother or a sister? How do we love well How can we be known enough to know, Lord God, that other people would know that we have battles that we may be in that we need prayer for? And God, on the flip side of that coin, Lord, teach us, Father, to be people that are quick to come alongside others and fight with them. God, I'm asking, Lord, if there be anyone here today that their love has grown cold for you, Lord, that they're just going through the motions, God, that they're just putting on a good fake face. Lord, would you knock the plastic off of them? God, we don't want Barbie and Ken dolls, God. We want real human beings walking it out in the muck and the mire of this world. Growing closer to you every day. Standing and trusting in the hope, Lord, that you have already done the work of saving our sorry behinds. And I'm so thankful for that, God. It's where I lay all my hope. God, I pray if there be anyone here today that just still doesn't know you. God, that's still trying to figure it out on their own, Lord. I pray, God, one of two things, Lord, that they would get off the elevator now. Because, God, the elevator's only going one direction without you. It's down. God, I pray if there be anyone here, Lord, that just wants to accept you, I pray, God, that they would know that it is not some crazy thing. It is literally confessing that you are Lord, that you died on the cross and rose again, accepting that that's the only way to heaven. As your word says, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. God, I pray that that would be done today. Lord, have your way in us. Move in us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.